Hello, and welcome to ADHD Essentials, part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brendan Mahan. I'm a former teacher and mental health clinician turned ADHD coach, trainer, and consultant. I can be reached at brendan at adhdessentials.com. Here at ADHD Essentials, we help families develop the skills and knowledge needed to better manage attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Visit ADHDessentials.com for more details. What's up, team? I'm thinking about doing an ADHD Essentials live Q&A sometime in the near future. It would focus on parenting and child-centric questions. If that's something you're interested in, please let me know. You can send questions to brendan at adhdessentials.com or post them in the ADHD Essentials Facebook community. On a related note, my monthly appearance on the ADHD Rewired live Q&A with Eric Tivers is coming up on Tuesday, March 12th. Go to adhdrewired.com events for more details. And finally, a big thank you to Jeffrey Gordon of Ideal Video Strategies, who did the heavy lifting on this episode when it came to editing. Go to idealvideostrategies.com to learn more about him. This is episode 62. Today, we're talking to Isaac. Isaac has ADHD, OCD, and Tourette's. As a senior in high school, he's the first person below the age of 18 that's been featured on the pod. Don't worry, I got permission from his mom. He's an incredible young man, and I greatly enjoyed talking with him. In today's episode, we talk about the way Isaac is approaching his upcoming transition to university, the social impact of his trio of disabilities, and how he's navigated those challenges, and his unique study routine. All right, let's get rolling. I'm Isaac. I have ADHD, OCD, and Tourette's, and I'm currently in my last year of high school. So you are my first high school student that I'm interviewing. You're the first like non-adult parent type person that's been on the pod. Well, yeah, it's it's an it's a really good perspective to get because you're you're like a boots on the ground high school kid. Yeah, yeah. Your view is going to be different than everyone else I've interviewed and I'm really excited about that. And also you're from Canada, too. Yeah, I am. I live about 40 minutes from Toronto, Ontario. Close to the Buffalo border. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So I'm from the States. And there might be a little bit of translation issue that happens. Like you guys say university a lot. We typically say college. <laughs> yeah. So that stuff, since given that you're about to go to your university or college, I don't know, whatever it is, that translation stuff might come up as we talk. Uh, just humor me if you'd be so kind. <laughs> Well, yeah, for us, I think you said it pretty well. University for us is essentially college for you guys. And then we also have college. And honestly, I live in Canada and I can't really tell you the difference. But <laughs> yeah, they're, they're pretty similar. You can study the same programs at both of them. So Okay. So you're 17. You're about to graduate. I do want to get to sort of what are you looking at for the future. But before we go into the future... Let's, pe- let's play around your past a little bit. What's it been like growing up with ADHD and OCD and Tourette's? Well, you know, it's, um, at first it was pretty hard, especially when I was younger and I, was, I wasn't very mature. I got in a lot of trouble in elementary school as a kid, especially I remember grade three was a really bad year. 
I spent a lot of time in the principal's office. I, my teachers always wrote on my report cards that Isaac needs to raise his hand before he wants to ask a question. <laughs> Is that the kind of stuff you're getting in trouble for, just calling out, or were you more intense than that? No, I think it was really just, it was more that you couldn't really run a class because I was just always interrupting people and talking. And, you know, as a kid, I wasn't thinking, I, I didn't have a filter at all. Whatever I thought, I would just say it. And so sometimes that led to inappropriate things being said. So yeah, as a kid, I, I struggled a lot in school and I, I did not do well either. I did not really care about my schoolwork until I started getting a bit older. I only cared for my sports and my exercise. When did that transition happen? When did you start to care? Uh, I would say I started caring a little bit more when I got into grade nine, uh, enough to start doing, you know, doing my homework every day, studying a little bit. And then when I hit grade 10, that's when I, I told myself, you know, that's when I started studying for hours on end for exams and really doing my homework and, you know, like making study partners and stuff. Mm -hmm. It was really just kind of, I get, I'm very ambitious. So mm -hmm. I, I painted a picture of what I wanted to do with my future. And I realized that, well, you need to work hard for that. And that's kind of what got me going. And yeah, I've never looked back. Okay. Was there anything in particular that happened that kind of got you to refocus? Did you get in trouble? Did you like have a goal that you didn't reach? Or was it just sort of gradual maturity that, that, cause the change? Um, I think it was partly gradual maturity. And it was also because I get really, I know this is a symptom of my ADHD, but they call it uh, hyper-focusing, mm -hmm. which I actually have benefited from in situations. And one of them would be, I got in my head that there was this university program I wanted to go into. I got into my head at the start of grade 10 that I wanted to go there. And I realized how hard it was, but I just, for some reason, I told myself, I am going there. I want to go there. And right from that moment, I just, I just started working and working and working, just thinking about that place. So, yeah. What's the program? It's commerce at Queens University in Kingston. Okay. And you're, you're at the age where that's a thing that is on the horizon, have you applied to that program? Are you in it? Or is it, has it just gone by the wayside? You have different goals now? What does that look like? Um, no, that's still my first choice program. I submitted my, you have to write three essays for them. So I submitted my application last weekend. And uh, yeah, I'll be waiting to hear back. I actually have already heard back from um, them for another program I applied there. But that's the one. It's still my number one choice. It's yeah, three years now. Good luck. Thank you. How the other? Did you get into the other program, or is that? Uh, yeah, I did. I I got into economics there. Okay, so that's a good sign for commerce, then I would think. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's uh, either way, actually. Economics has really started to interest me lately, mm -hmm. but there are different streams of of approaching it. Right. Okay. Cool. Please let us know if you get in. I will shoot me an email. That's great. So clearly, you figured it out. You cracked. I guess three codes when you've got ADHD, OCD, and Tourette's. Or at least you cracked the Isaac code. Yeah, I think that would be a nice way to say it. <laughs> so how? Right? Like you, you get this vision in your head of, of wanting to go to Queens College for Commerce. What does it look like 
to make the transition to being more academically minded? Well, I think um, I was really lucky. There were a couple of factors. Um, one of them I would actually say would be uh, the group of friends that I was hanging out with. I've always had really good friends, but at the end of grade 10, I started transitioning into a group of friends that was very, very driven and um, had very, very high expectations for themselves. And when you surround yourself with people who are that motivated, you can't not be motivated. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just the way I felt was that it was normal to go home and study two hours um, for a unit test that, that was like a few days later and to keep doing that. Like that was normal. And I think, I think my friend group played a big role in that. Have you heard the, the saying that you are the average of your five closest friends? Yeah, I've, I've heard that saying. And I think that I have become the average of my, <laughs> my closest friends. Yeah. Cool. So what, and what else is going on with, with this transition besides the friend group? Well, uh, something I found out how to do was, as I said, to this day, I still, I'm a sports guy. I love it. All of them. And I need to be moving. And I found a way to incorporate my exercise into my actual studying, which is kind of how I've become successful in school because I've been able to balance them together. Yeah. How do you do that? Are you like walking on a treadmill and reading a textbook at the same time? What does that look like? No, not not that extreme, but I I love to run. I'm a long distance runner. And so what I'll do, especially when I'm stressed, when I'm stressed, I run. So during exam period, what I'll do, since I'm sure you can relate with me on this, I can't sit down for an extremely long period of time and just keep doing the same thing. Just keep, like if I'm writing an essay, I cannot sit down for two hours and write for two hours. I need to, or study for two hours. So I need to get up and move. And I realized that, well, I love to run. Why don't I sit down, put a timer on my phone for 40 minutes. That's about my, my top right now. And then I'm going to get up. I'm going to go for a couple kilometers. I'm going to come back home and then I'm going to start studying again. And the results I've seen from that, I, I can't even put into words how much that helps me. That's great. Yeah. So when you say you're studying for two hours, is that including the running time or is that like two hours total with running in the middle? No, I don't include the, the running is because I look at it as kind of a, like a study session. And then I like to look at it as then I'm running and I'm not studying anymore. Right. And then I'm going to start studying again after. So it's in blocks. It's not one big prolonged period. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. So you're sort of time blocking for this half an hour I study for the next half an hour I run something like that. Yeah. And I, I mean, I do need to make sure I need to study more than I'm running, right? Because otherwise I won't be efficient. Mm -hmm. So it'll be, I'll, I'll study, then I'll go for a quick run, then I'll study again. And then even if it's something as simple as uh, walking my dog or just going downstairs, doing some push-ups, get the blood flowing, it really helps me. Okay. And that brings me to my next question, which is, it's winter and cold outside. So when are you just running anyway in the winter? Do you not care? Is it like, I'm going to do stuff in the house? What does that look like? I get called crazy for this. I will run in any weather. I actually 
also prefer running at night. So I'll go for winter night runs. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. But no, it doesn't stop me. I get all geared up. I, rem- I remember a time I went for a run. I went for about 20 kilometers. So I was gone for a while. Right. And when I started, it was fine and it was dark and it was clear night. Mm-hmm. But as I started getting further in, it started snowing a lot. It was really, really snowy. But when you're gone for 20 kilometers, you know, if you're like eight kilometers away from the house, I, I run out and back. I can't walk back eight kilometers. I've got to keep on running, <laughs> which is why I do it, because it makes me push myself. Okay. And I remember it was a very, very snowy night. And I was all dressed I was all dressed up. I had my bell clav on. All you could see were my eyes. And I ran by the window of this one restaurant. And then I didn't think anything of it. And I got home and I had a text from one of my friends. And she was she asked me, Were you the crazy guy running by a restaurant? <laughs> and I was like, Yeah, actually, that was me. And she goes, Well, I want you to know every single person in the restaurant thought you were crazy. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So this is a little hard transition for the word crazy because I don't want to be making any implications here. <laughs> but it almost sounds like you're harnessing the impulsiveness of ADHD with the compulsiveness of obsessive compulsive disorder of OCD because the ADHD is kind of getting you out the door and running regardless of the weather, right? Yeah. And then I'm wondering if the compulsivity side of the OCD is forcing you to continue to run home as opposed to walk home. Yeah, that's, I've never, ever had anyone look at it that way. But you know, that's, that could be it. That seems pretty, because I, like, I cannot not run. When I go for a run, I see people walking. And I mean, I think I should do that, you know, because you need to take breaks if you're going far. And when I'm training, if I'm gone for 20 kilometers, and I am exhausted, I'm cramping up, what I do is, I mean, I'll slow down. You can't push yourself as hard as you can forever. But I will, even if it's just close to a walk, but I'm still running. I'm slowly running. That's, I just mentally cannot make myself stop because I'll feel, I don't know, it's just the way I'm wired. Yeah. And for those of us in the States, 20 kilometers is about 12 and a half miles. So that's no joke. That's a long run. Yeah. That's, that's like a half marathon. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I, I did run um, last, not this fall, but last fall I ran my, I was all excited because you needed to be 16 to run the Toronto Waterfront Half Marathon. Yep. And I said, when I turn 16, I'm running it. And I, I did it. So How long does it take you to run 12, or I'm sorry, how long does it take you to run 20 kilometers? Well, the half marathon, I... I had my goal originally I've, I'd never run that far. And I marked my goal is I'm going to do it in under 90 minutes. Mm -hmm. And then I went for one run and I go, okay, I'm going to do it in under an hour and 40 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) So that was my, that was my reasonable, but still, um, pushing myself. That was my goal. And it was an hour and 40 minutes, my goal. And I ran in one hour, um, 39 minutes and 30 some seconds. So, and how long do you typically run? Uh, I, it, or let me withdraw and rephrase. How far do you typically run? It honestly, it changes based on how much I'm training. Let's play with it in terms of you're studying and then you go for a run and then you're studying. 
Oh, oh, in that term, I do not, I do not go for a 20, the 20 kilometer run is kind of, I build my day around that. Okay. But when I'm studying, I'll say, I love, uh, there's a five kilometer route I love, but even at that, that's, uh, that's around 20 minutes, a little under. So that is still a bit of time, you know, when I'm studying. Mm -hmm. So I'd say anywhere from three to five kilometers. So three to five kilometers just for my listeners in the United States is about roughly two to three miles. I'm doing the translation right now. Yeah. So about two to three miles. Cool. Um, and that takes you how long? Like 20 minutes, did you say? Well, that there's a very big um, difference in time there because for five kilometers, it's a, when you're racing it, you're essentially, it's not a sprint, but you're running really, really fast and it's a, physically exhausting race so when i'm studying you know i'm going out to get the blood flowing so i run for about when i just want to run it i'd say it's about 20 minutes okay but then when i'm racing it i'm around a little over 18 okay but that's like i'm dead after i could not study after doing that okay but doing it a little bit slower and then you can you can maintain that focus yeah that's great yeah do you do anything? You mentioned push-ups. Do you do any other kinds of exercises or is it mostly running? It's mostly running from that point. I got super into CrossFit at one point and I loved it mm -hmm. because it allowed me, it was, you know, I was moving all the time and it was creative. It was outside of the box. And we had kind of a, we had a whiteboard with records that you had to try and beat. So it was just like a perfect combination for me. But I ended up, hurting myself so i can't perform i can't do i'm not allowed to do crossfit anymore okay yeah so you've got some competitiveness in you it sounds like oh that would be probably in the top three words used to describe me okay yeah what are the other two i would say humorous or sarcastic whichever someone prefers <laughs> and then the other one would definitely be talkative so being on a podcast is a good call then it is yes awesome so you've harnessed, it sounds like you've learned at least a little bit about ADHD and, and OCD and Tourette's to even know that you should be taking a break when studying and then go for a run and, and those sorts of things. You're doing some solid brain science there yeah. and you're harnessing, you're sort of harnessing the ADHD and the OCD a little bit, like we mentioned in that run, just to kind of push yourself a little bit further. Um, and, and probably to get yourself out the door, I would think, because that sounds like it might be in there a little bit. Um, what are some other ways that you're using your ADD or, uh, bleh. what are some other ways that you're using your ADHD and the OCD and, and the Tourette's as well, which I'll admit that I'm less familiar with, um, in order to, I guess, navigate themselves almost. Um, well, I like to, I like to look at my ADHD, OCD and Tourette's as, I mean, I have them, right? So as much as there are things you have to deal with and sometimes we face challenges, ADHD also brings me things I love. Like it, it's become part of, well, it is part of who I am. And some of my traits that I love and my family and friends love about me stem right from my ADHD. So I think one of them I would say would be <laughs> my genuine um, when I get genuinely excited, it's clear. I'm still, when I'm very, very happy, I'm still 
like a child. I'll run into the kitchen and just, I, I'll be like singing or jumping around. And that's just because I'm just so hyper. But my parents love that. Like they laugh when I do that. <laughs> and I mean, it may sound immature, but I, I hold my composure. I mean, I, you would never see me doing that in public. <laughs> mm -hmm. But around my friends and family, you know, when I get super excited, it's clear. And then that makes the people around me happy too. That's great. That's awesome that you that you still have that and that you're able to be comfortable with it because that's an angle that folks with ADHD can struggle with, right? That excitement. I mean, I, I'll admit that I do. I have that excitement too and I get like really excited and the physical manifestation of that can be embarrassing for me. Like I'll rub my hands together or sometimes I just make this like really almost like a strained, painful face, but it's not pain. It's co totally excitement. I can remember I, back when I was teaching, I was sitting at my desk prepping sub plans for when uh, my wife went out on maternity leave. Like when my wife had the kids, I had to have some sub plans ready and it was getting close. It was like, I'm going to be a dad any minute. And I remember sitting there and I'm doing those plans and I just totally lost it with just excitement and happiness and was like, I I must have been rubbing my hands together or something. I was doing some kind of insane level of excitement while sitting there. And one of my coworkers walked in to my room and just saw me freaking out and immediately started laughing. And it, I was so embarrassed. Like I was so like, I just looked like a five-year-old overwhelmed with glee. And I said to her like, I'm about to be a dad. <laughs> and that was all I really had to say. So it wasn't like I got made fun of for the rest of my life or anything. It was completely a reasonable thing. But I'm really happy to hear that you can maintain that excitement, that childhood excitement, because that's, that's really important and valuable. Yeah, well, I think, I mean, in that situation, I, I think it's awesome that I like it when people laugh. You know, I, I think it'd be different as a professional. I understand why you might feel, <laughs> feel that way, because I mean, I'm still, I'm still in high school. So right. I, when someone laughs, you know, I laugh with them because I think it's, I've gotten to the point where I think it's funny too. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's kind of, that's the way that I've, I don't even try and look at, at, at it that way. I genuinely just, that's how I feel about it now. Okay. Do you have that level of acceptance for, for everything? Are there elements that are hard and elements that are easier? How's that going? Uh, well, there are elements that are hard. Um, I would say the one that the reason why running helps me so much is the one thing studying so much it, with my lack of concentration uh, it's a big challenge for me, even to this day, to sit down and to, like, I'll put my phone in another drawer when I'm working. And if I'm doing math homework, you know, I'll be sitting there and working. And then all of a sudden, oh, I've been chewing on the end of my pencil for the last two minutes and haven't answered a question. Mm -hmm. And I don't even realize that you just, your brain starts wandering. I think that's the thing I would, I struggle with the most with my ADHD. Okay. Is the sort of the distractibility and yeah. maintaining focus for a long time. Yeah. Cool. I get that. <laughs> yeah. And you, and it sounds like part of how you're managing that is by going and running. Yeah. What else are you doing? Cause that can't be the only thing if you're already getting accepted to universities and heading down to the, your main goal here. Well, something else that helps me is while well, I said, I love talking so much. And my mom, she'll be in our central living areas. I open my door and it's there. 
And when I'm working and I'm just stumped and I can't concentrate or anything, I just open my door, I go walk out there and I just start telling her some story. And then I'll just walk back into my room and I'll sit back down and I just, I'm focused again, you know, cause I got there. It's more, if something's on my mind mm-hmm. then I'll just go out there and I'll share it and then I'll just go back in and it's not on my mind anymore because I just shared it cause I wanted to tell someone. I really hope that that just reframed some stuff for the parents listening because I bet that there are parents listening whose kids are doing homework or doing chores or something and all of a sudden come over to them and start telling them some story. It might be about something that happened that day. It might be about Jurassic Park. Who knows? And they probably see that as a problem, right? Like, don't tell me about the Trinosaurus. Go back and do your work. <laughs> and here you're sharing it from the side of the kid with ADHD or the kid with OCD, the kid with Tourette's, the kid with fill in the blank. And you're saying, it's not me avoiding homework. That's not what that is. That's me having this story that's keeping me from doing my homework. And so I just go over to my mom and I'm like, mom, hold this story that I can't do my homework with if I have to keep holding it. I need you to have it. Have a good day. I'm going to go back and do my homework. Yeah. I mean, to a certain extent too, right? Because then you could get carried away and sometimes I'll get carried away with my story. And you know, you do need to do your work, but there are times where I think it really, it does help. I know it helps me. Yeah, that's great. I, I mean, to me, that's one of the takeaways from this episode. That's really solid. Even as a dad, because my kids do that too. And I've, I'll admit that I haven't looked at it from that perspective. I've typically looked at it as like, all right, they need to take a break or maybe they're trying to avoid it or something like that. But I haven't looked at it from the perspective of maybe this idea, this story is distracting them. And that's why they're telling me about it. Almost like you sing the song to get it out of your head. You tell the story to get it out of your head. Yeah. So thank you for that insight because that's worth this entire episode for me. That was really valuable. Thank you very much. No problem. So you mentioned that you like it when people laugh, when some of some of your behaviors come out. What's that like? What are some of the behaviors? How do people typically respond? How do you navigate the responses that are not as great? What's that like? Well, I would say I'm very, as you can tell, I'm very open with um, everything I go through. So I have, I'm very lucky. I've grown up in, I couldn't have grown up in a more accepting family. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people could say that, but that's how I feel. So obviously my parents have, I'm always comfortable around them, no matter what it is. And as I've grown older, uh, my group of friends, I'm also very lucky. I've very, uh, I'm very in a very comfortable environment with my group of friends. But if I ever, I think the, the diagnosis that has caused the most, because it's more obvious, um, it's caused the most struggles for me from a social standpoint would be my Tourette's because for anyone who doesn't know what Tourette's syndrome is, it essentially creates ticks, which actually I get confused with my compulsion sometimes. I like to describe it as having an itch. And the longer you push away itching that, the worse it gets. And the more you want to scratch and scratch it, and then you itch it and it's gone. Mm -hmm. But with a tick, it keeps coming back and it's not an itch. It's going to be having to blink, having to grunt or roll your head or wiggle your toes. It's stuff like that. So that stuff is obviously 
noticeable. And when I was younger and I wasn't open with my diagnosis, it was really difficult for me because people I spent a lot of time with, they would start noticing things. And I mean, they weren't being mean or anything. It's just, I mean, if someone keeps blinking in front of you and you're friends with them, you'll be like, hey, what's up? Are you okay? I'll be like, oh no, I just have something in my eye. Mm-hmm. But as I've grown older, you know, I've, I've started sharing this stuff and it's led, it leads to some really interesting conversations because I'm sure a lot of uh, the listeners right now have never even heard of what Tourette's is. So when I say Tourette's, everyone just goes, what's that? What's Tourette's? And then I get to explain it to them. And then they ask me some things and I'm completely comfortable talking about it. Mm -hmm. And the sort of the stereotype of Tourette's is that you just randomly start swearing, right? (laughs) At least in the States, that's that's the stereotype. But that's not really how it goes. I'm sure there's people out there who do that. But like as you're saying, it's mostly tics and things of that nature. I know there's an actual term for that. It's very long and I forget it. And I, the percentage is extremely low. So the percentage of people who have Tourette's I know is pretty low. And then on top of that, out of everyone with Tourette's, that's even lower. Okay. And I've been lucky because from a standpoint of my tics, they have never gotten in the way of performing daily activities. So they've always been, they've been noticeable but not extreme. They've been pretty subtle. And I'll go through times where people will say, like, if I'm really close with people, they'll maybe they'll point out, if I talk about my threats, they'll, be like, they'll say, wow, I haven't seen you do a tick in a while. You know, that, that's, that's great. And I'll say, <laughs> to that, I'll answer, yeah, mm-hmm. that's because right now when I'm talking to you, I'm wiggling all my toes and I can't stop doing it. Obviously, you don't see that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wiggling my toes right now. And it's not, and I've been doing it since before you mentioned it the first time. And because that's also ADHD too, right? That's that fidgety side of ADHD. So you kind of have two reasons to wiggle your toes. There's the fidget side and then there's the tick side. (laughs) I get my symptoms kind of mixed up all the time. I try, I try and put a label on them just because I like doing that. I'll say, oh, this is my OCD. This is my Tourette's. And then I'll think, wait, no, this is my Tourette's, this is my OCD, because they kind of, they all interlap, you know? <laughs> right. It's just your Isaac. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so when it comes to, and I'm, I'm looking at things interconnecting again, right? When it comes to the tics, do they become more pronounced when you're anxious or stressed? Yeah, they do. Okay. Yeah. When I'm, when I'm really stressed about something or when I have stuff on my mind, I fidget more with my ADHD and I get one of my worst ticks I've ever had is I, I squint my eye Mm -hmm. and that because ticks come and go, but whenever I'm stressed, that comes back Mm -hmm. because it's back doesn't mean I'm stressed, but when I'm stressed, it does come and it's always more pronounced and I'll do it more often. Okay. That's almost useful, right? Like, cause you can almost say, Hey, I'm squinting my eye. I should probably do a check-in and see if I'm stressed. Yeah, I've, I've never looked at it that way. I mean, when I get a tick, you can't... A tick is um, something that's different than OCD. Is OCD can be... I actually talked to Eric about this, and he said o- OCD is something you can manage. You can learn to... There are strategies for it. Right. But a tick, it, it's different than that. The ticks are... There's a, you need to do a tick. And 
you're going to do a tick. And there are strategies you can work with to try and minimize the ticks, but you can't eliminate the ticks yourself. Mm-hmm. You, they'll be eliminated naturally, but personally, I cannot just go, okay, tomorrow I'm going to get rid of my blinking tick. Right. Okay. Are they almost a physical manifestation of, I guess, your stress level, for lack of a better way to put it? Because we're all stressed all the time. So it's just how stressed are we, right? Is, is that in there somewhere or am I misunderstanding? I, I think that I wouldn't go so far as to say that. I would say, as I said, that um, they'll be more pronounced when I'm stressed. But just because I could be super calm and happy and still start getting, getting the symptoms of a new tick. Okay. So I, I don't know scientifically how it works, but I would say that, I mean, I can still tick when I'm the happiest person in the world. Okay. I, I guess I'm, I'm still sort of thinking that that might work. Like it, cause that's just a different kind of emotional, that's a different kind of strong emotional response. Right. I guess my, um, I think my question is if you are feeling calm right? Are your tics likely to be less pronounced? I would say less pronounced. Yes. Okay. So we've got a bunch of adults, a bunch of parents listening to this podcast and they're like, that kid went from struggling, right? Cause you struggled in school for a little while. Yeah. I, I had a lot of trouble in school. Okay. Behaviorally, academically as well, or, or just behaviorally? Uh, well, I would say behaviorally and to my standards now academically i mean i never like i would never fail the class i always got average grades or maybe a little bit below average but just that it was more of the effort was not there the um mm-hmm. the care caring i did not care to work i was not interested whatsoever it didn't grab my attention and it's not that i didn't want to learn i mean i would go home i remember i I was in grade eight and I didn't care at all about what I had learned at school, but then I'd go home and I'd watch a two hour documentary on space or something. So it was just more learning to actually put effort and time into what I needed to be learning at school. Okay. And outside of pitching yourself at Queens college, am I remembering that correctly? Yeah. Outside of picturing yourself at Queens college, did anything else happen or cause you to make this shift? Well, as I said, I think um, I, I, I say it to them to this day that the friend group would have played a, a role in that as well. What caused you to find the new friend group? Just sitting down next to people in, in a class and starting to hang out with them. But now that you say it, I actually, I, I just thought of something that could be said as a moment that really helped me. In grade eight, I did not do well at all in English. I had an English teacher who essentially well, I mean, I don't want to criticize, but he was not as inspiring or supportive as a teacher should be. I got bad grades in his class, and I just pegged myself as being a terrible writer and English being my weakest subject. In grade nine, I had, to this day, one of, if not the best teachers I've ever had for English. And the first project we did for her, it was just a quick creative piece about who you are in your own writing style. And I wrote it for her and she gave it back. And I think she gave me something like a 98. And the fact that she gave me that mark, I'm not saying you can't just give kids a good mark, but the fact that she gave me that mark, I was like, oh my God, 
I'm, I'm so good. I can do this. And for the rest of that semester, I tried so hard in her class because I wanted to impress her. And I, by trying so hard, I fell in love with writing and English and English actually is by the end of grade 12, it's going to be my best grade 12 mark. Wow. And I took a class last year, a grade 12 course in grade 11 called writer's craft. Mm -hmm. So I used to hate writing and that really just got me on board and I love it. And that's a statement on the power of both a teacher that you don't connect with and also a teacher that you do connect with right? Because eighth grade, you didn't connect. Ninth grade, you did. And you picked my favorite subject because I was an English teacher. So <laughs> so that's good. But that's great to hear that you were able to, to, look at, to look at that grade and be like, I can, one, I can do this. And two, I want to. Yeah. That you wanted to maintain that. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. And she, you're right. She didn't give you that grade. You earned that grade. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I like to think so, but it was really, yeah, she throughout high school, English has always been one of, if not my highest grade. And I had gone into high school pegging that as my worst subject. Mm -hmm. Isn't that great when that happens? Yeah. When you have that transition. For me, that was, um, I always thought I wasn't organized. I was like, I'm just not, I'm not an organized person. And then I did a guidance counseling internship a few years back. And my, the woman who I was working with was like, what are, one of his strengths is how organized he is. And I was like, huh, what, do you, what does that mean? But during that time, I had learned about ADHD and initiated a lot of ADHD-friendly strategies to help get, get myself more organized. So that effort, which is another thing that keep, keeps coming up in your story, is that trying and putting forth that effort is a piece of what's made you into who you are and helped you turn the corner is somewhere along the line, you started to make the connection between effort and result. Yeah. I, I don't want to say effort in grades because although that's the result, I think it's bigger than that for you. It's effort. Putting forth the effort gets you the result that you're looking for or at least gets you closer to it. Yeah. Well, I think uh, not just grades. I say, I could say um, also with my running uh, because just running distances, you see, I, I tell myself I want to do something. I go out to a strict schedule. I run, I run, I run. And then I went from having only run five kilometers to then running a half marathon to then training for and running 30 kilometers and then thinking about a marathon. And it's, I always give myself goals that I can try and reach, mm -hmm. you know, like I know I've accomplished them. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So the effort and also the reasonable goal setting. Yeah. That's huge. So just being mindful of time. Do you have any ending essentials that you'd like to share with the audience? Yeah, I think that honestly, it's just, I've talked a lot about, you know, what works for me. And for me, that's exercise and running and stuff. And that's helped me on my journey. But I think everyone has something that can help them. It's just that you need to find it. Because before I found my, that my running could help me be so successful in my studies, I had a lot of trouble and it's not to say that if you don't find your thing, you can't have success, but I think that there is something for people to find. And when they do find it, it makes, it makes it a lot easier on you and enjoyable too. Hey, you're still here. Nice. Thanks for staying focused all the way through.
If you have any thoughts or questions about today's episode, feel free to email me at brendan at ADHDessentials.com. And don't forget to check out the website, ADHDessentials.com, and visit our Facebook community. I'm looking forward to talking to you again next week. In the meantime, keep focusing on improvement over perfection. 10% better is all you need. Thank you.